I'm Rachel, the creative director for Ram Dass's Love Serve Remember Foundation, and I'd like to welcome you to our Inner Academy, a virtual Dharma Hall where our family of wisdom teachers will help you navigate your daily life by bringing ancient wisdom into a modern context. With over 200 hours of audio and video teachings, meditations, and practices from teachers like Ram Dass, Krishna Dass, Sharon Salzberg, Jack Kornfield, Roshi Joan Halifax, Joseph Goldstein, and many more, the Inner Academy is your core resource for finding balance, presence, and navigating the ups and downs of your daily life. The Inner Academy has guidance for every step of your journey. Choose from an annual or monthly membership and gain access to past and future courses, retreat replays, virtual community, and much more. If you've been familiar with Love Server Member Foundation for a while, you'll know that most of our offerings are given freely or on a sliding scale basis. So when you subscribe to the Inner Academy, you're paying it forward and bolstering our ability to continue creating accessible offerings for all in the future, as Ramdas wished for us to do. Be here now and start your journey with Ramdas's Inner Academy today. For more, visit ramdas.org forward slash Inner Academy. This is Chris Grasso with the Indie Spiritualist Podcast on the Be Here Now Network. And my guest today is the man himself, Jay Ivey. Jay, thank you for taking the time to be with me today. Man, my pleasure to be here, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, a pleasure, a pleasure. Yes, so, sir, yes, sir. Um, let me just read a, a quick snippet of a bio. I was just saying to Jay before we started, he has done so many incredible things with his life. I went onto his website and I just had to kind of like chisel this down from all the, the <laughs> cool stuff he's done. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Jay for anyone not familiar. Uh, as a seasoned performer, Jay Ivey's artistry and accomplishments have ranged carrying him and allowing him to work in an array of creative outlets from his work on the classic song Never Let Me Down with Kanye West and Jay-Z to performing a poem for NBA Hall of Fame legend Michael Jordan to him seeing and performing at events for Deepak Chopra to voicing openings for sporting events like the NFL Sunday Night Football on NBC, ESPN's U.S. Open and National Spelling Bee to co-starring in and narrating BET's award-winning film Muhammad Ali, The People's to collaborating with artists like Estelle, Marsha Ambrosia, Slum Village, and John Stevens, who Jay Ivey renamed John Legend, featured on Oprah's <laughs> next chapter. <laughs> there's still more. Hold on, there's still more. <laughs> Jay's versatility continues to surprise and inspire all walks of life. Not only is he a poet, writer, and voiceover artist, who has shared stages with the likes of Prince, Dougie Fresh, Jim Carrey, Arikia Badu, Jill Scott, Most Def, Talib Kweli, Common, Lauren Hill, Dave Chappelle, and many more. But he also collaborates his poetry with music and is humbly a superb photographer. Jay Ivey is also an author whose latest book is titled Dear Father, Breaking the Cycle of Pain, published by Beyond Words, an imprint of Atria and Simon and & Schuster. Jay. Yes, what's up (laughs) it's good to have you man and you know what the coolest thing is aside from all of that really neat stuff that you've done i met jay we we did an event together out in uh, idaho a few months ago you are one of the most down-to-earth humble like real guys i've ever met you know and that's 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 what really meant a lot to me when i met you out there like 
you know, you've done all this cool stuff. You got a lot of bragging rights, but like, you're just like, you know, any, any down to earth guy that you meet. So much respect to you for that, man. Man, nah, that's love, man. Likewise, you know, I always looked at it, you know, just, just stay who you are. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people, they get, you know, um, taste of success yeah. and, and it changes them. Yeah. You know, I never want to be one of those people, you know? Yeah. It shows. You know, yeah. It shows. That's cool. I was, uh, Man, it was a while ago. This is a few years ago, actually. There's an actor named Danny Trejo. He's this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the Machete movies. He was in. He, I mean, he's. You recognize him if you saw him. Um, he has like this big tattoo on his chest. It's like the most recognized tattoo in the world. Anyways, I'm interviewing this guy, and he's pretty famous in his own right. And I said to him, you know, because he was like you, still very humble. He's worked, you know, he's done movies with De Niro and all these great people. Wow. But he said, he's like, you know, I just keep real people around me. And he's like, yeah. I, I see what happens to other people. And I never wanted to become that. He's like, I just yeah. I never wanted to lose my connection. And yeah. so anyways, man, much respect to you for that. That's, yeah. that's cool. And thanks, then, you, then you're out there hanging out with Common and that's cool. too. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> I did some of his new music. Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Common, Talib, Black Star, all yeah, good stuff. Yeah, man. man. Stuff. You, you're talking my language. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean, before I have to catch myself because we'll just spend the next 45 to 60 minutes talking about hip hop if I don't like, right, stay right, on right, track right, here. Not right. there's anything wrong with that. We, we can come back to that too. But let's talk about you, man. I first of all, let's start back kind of at the beginning. I want to talk to you about a young James Richardson. Growing up in Chi-Town, you know, late 70s, early 80s. What was your life like back then? Give us a picture of what, what was going on for you in your childhood. Uh, so, you know, I grew up in, in um, like you said, on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Chicago is very, very segregated. They actually refer to it as hyper-segregation. Mm-hmm. They say that um, Chicago and Boston are the two cities in the nation that are, are, that are so divided, you know, in the way they are. And um, so, I mean, everything I knew was 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 black, you know, yeah. you know, the neighbors, the, the mailmen, the teachers, the at school, the, the store store owners, you know, that that was my existence, you know, and it was it was a very loving environment, um, a lot of cookouts, uh, a lot of snowstorms in the, in the winters, a lot of, um, you know, but it was just love, you know, a lot of family oriented activities bike riding on the lake and uh you know playing monopoly and you know playing hide and go seek on the block with your friends and and it was um it was love and as far as in my home you know um it was my mother and my father and i have two brothers older and younger and you know it was it was a great environment but um but as time went on the uh the neighborhood in itself started to shift because of the uh the drug epidemic that that was was taking place around the nation and, and, and a lot of inside in the inner cities uh you know like chicago so our neighborhood you know this loving beautiful you know great neighborhood was starting to shift and change so you you know you you'll wake up to the gunshots you'll hear uh you know you hear about folks uh getting robbed on a porch you know, we'll come home from a little family weekend getaway and house is broken into and everything is, you know, an uproar and things are missing. I mean, I remember I had this bike, man. I got this bike for my birthday. Man, I had the coldest bike on the block, man. <laughs> coldest bike on the block. 
I had that bike for two weeks. The bike was so cold, I kept it in my room. I didn't leave it in the garage or outside. I kept it in my room, man. They broke in our house. My mama's jewelry, a bunch of other stuff, and, and took my bike, man. Oh, took my man. bike. I, I was sick. I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, but yeah, but the neighborhood, it was it was changing. And then um, and at the same time, at home, our, the, the, our home environment was changed because, you know, drugs and alcohol became a huge factor in, in my father's life. So, and my father, he was, he was a DJ, so I would listen to him on the radio before I walked to school in the morning. My mom's was a nurse. Uh, she worked uh, at um, a dialysis unit for years, but she also, before that, worked at, um, uh, you ever see ER? The, no, the show, the show. Oh, the ER, TV. yes. Yeah, yes, e- yes. ER. So the the emergency room that that was based on, my mother used to work in that emergency cool. room back in the day. Cool. And um, so, you know, I had, had, you know, good folk, good family, but, but uh, you know, like I said, drugs and alcohol started to shift the the environment and, you know, it just, started, it just got, it just got crazy. You know, fights broke out and it got to the point my mom's had enough and she was like, you know, first divorce and then, all right, we moving. And we moved to the south suburbs at that point. You know, there's actually a, an excerpt that um, I wanted to share with, with the audience. And it, I think it's very fitting right here because it talks about your dad a little bit. And I wanted to explore that a little bit deeper with you. Yeah. Um, and it's from your book, again, Dear Father. Um, and, and what you wrote is, I don't remember him saying I love you when I was young, but he showed it by cooking a small meal or pork and beans. He showed it through his smile when he would take us to fly kites and when he would sing happy birthday or when he would surprise me and pop up at school to see how I was doing in class. I felt the love when I would arrive, when I would drive around the city with him and being proudly introduced as his son, Jimmy. Mm. Now, I mean, that's, that's really beautiful. Like, Mm, yeah, man, that's, and, and again, and I'll say this again later, but your book, man, is so poignantly written. I mean, that's wow. just such a small expert. As I'm reading it, you know, I, I've got maybe like 30 pages left in it. And it's like, I could have spent probably the next hour. It was either hip hop or we could have just, I could have read your <laughs> book to the audience. It's so beautiful, man. Thank you. Man. But Thank you. yeah, yeah, really. You, you're a very, very gifted writer, obviously. Um, but so, you know, there's that experience you have. And if we fast forward a little bit, if I'm correct, it was around 12 or 13, I think. And as you're saying, you know, the drugs and the alcohol became a factor and right. in your dad's life and he lost his job. Um, right. So you go from having this experience of, you know, uh, hearing your dad on the radio and, and he shows his love in whatever way. It's, it's a tight family unit to now all of a sudden it's a father that you kind of don't recognize, you know, that drugs and alcohol right. have that effect on people. Mm-hmm. So from. What was your experience like, you know, at that 12 or 13 years old, you know, as your dad is, it's gone, shifted from this loving, you know, father and to, mm-hmm. to one that is in the grips now of alcohol. What, what was that like for you as a youngster? Um, just reflecting back on the word that keeps popping in my head is confusing. Yeah. You know, it was very confusing. Yeah. It, it was, um, it's like I said, it was, you know, it was lots of laughs and jokes and good right. times and. And then the shift happened, and you know you, you're a child, you know you're a kid, yeah. so you don't really know what to make of it. You don't really know what's happening. You know, you would hear things like you know, stay out of grown folks' business, and yeah. and it was that it was grown folks' business. So you didn't really know 
uh, all of the details of, of why was, you know, this was happening, that was happening. You know, you was just going along for the ride. Right. And I just remember being confused. I remember being uh, scared. I remember, um, you know, just wishing I was bigger and, and able to, you know, put cease to the, the, the fights and, and the arguing. And, and um, but also I remember being uh, uh, very, um, I, be, I became very shelled and sheltered. I, I will find myself becoming that, the true definition of an introvert. And, right. and I just, I became just so closed in and, and, and was quiet and, and, and I lacked confidence and, um yeah it, it was just all these different things you know but but i guess you know looking at it now it was it was subconsciously happening right you know i, I really wasn't aware of it i was kind of going through the motions go to school come home you know fight break out uh you know or my mother waking us up in the middle of the night and you know packing up and and leaving off to my grandmother's house or to my auntie's house where we would spend Christmas or Thanksgiving. And it was just, it was, um, you know, it was just this awkward adventure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was this <laughs> awkward adventure. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, I mean, that, that's, that's, uh, in a nutshell, those are the feelings that yeah. I, that I, I can, you know, uh, that I remember from that, from that period. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I know that's not an yeah. easy place to revisit. And a lot of the work I do is going back to my own yeah. wreckage, you know, and it's I know it's not easy to go back to that place. But when you're able to share stuff like that, like I know a lot of the audience is going to hear that and connect, you know, because they had yeah. alcoholic father, mother, maybe both. Um, and it's always, you know, I find at least it's not <laughs> I'm sorry for the pain you've gone through. But like when I hear someone else share something that I can resonate with. It's like, Oh, all right. I'm not alone. You know, like, right. And it, it gives you that little bit of hope and strength to keep moving on. So thank you. Yeah, for, absolutely. For oh yeah. No problem. Like no problem. Um, and, and, you know, so you will fast forward again a few more years now, and you also mm -hmm. share candidly in the book about uh, this deep depression that it, you experienced later on in your yeah. life. And it led you to even stop going to class and work, right? Yeah. It, it, it hit you hard. Um, and, you know, I, too, have experienced very deep depression in my life. It was borderline debilitating, something I would right. not wish on anyone else. It's it's terrible. Um, so can you talk a bit about the experience with depression and how you got through it? You know, what helped you to to, to stick with it, to, to carry on, and then to pull yourself out of it? Right. Well, one was just... Um, time, yeah. just knowing that things get better with time. Yeah, but you know that that was, you know, centered around hope. You know, you know, you you have all the time in the world, but if you don't have any hope, you know, you're just going to continue down that road. Yeah, so I always hoped, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah, you know, I always I always had hope that you know that it would get better. I knew that it could get better. Yeah, and, and I was constantly, you know. Uh, I guess just patiently waiting on, on that time or impatiently waiting on that time. And one of the things that allowed me to get through it was, was, was writing, was, was poetry, which I was introduced to in high school. So before, um, you know, the, 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 my college years and, and the days when I was really dealing with depression and, uh, and anger and, and sadness, 
was uh, I was in you know high school and had this teacher Miss Argue and, and I always tell this joke but you know what I learned is you're not gonna argue with somebody named Miss Argue yeah you know and, and she uh, she introduced me to to the stage she introduced me to to writing and and that that later on became the the vehicle the tool that I would use to 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 get to know myself and really in some ways the writing is 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 what kind of opened the door for the depression mm. you know because uh, me writing was was my way of getting to know myself um, I would I would tap into this creativity and these thoughts were flowing to the page and I was always amazed by it and the more amazed by the writings that would come out I was prompted to write more so I'm like I, man let me keep writing keep writing keep yeah. writing and the more I would write the more I would uh journey, the more I would discover, the more I would look at my life, the more I would, you know, get to know the things that I liked, the things I didn't like, things I hated, the things I loved. And and a, a, a huge gap, a, a huge hole in my life was was the fact that my father wasn't here. And at this point, you know, now that I'm in college, this this had been, you know, close to ten years and I hadn't seen or heard from from my father. You know, so there wouldn't I mean, there were nights where I would wake up in the middle of the night punching the walls and, and just mad and angry. And, and it had a lot to do with the fact that, I mean, he wasn't there for myself, but it was also my little brother. You know, I'm like, yeah. big, a big brother, He you know, he's good, he's strong. You know, but I'm like, if I'm feeling this, you know, what's my little brother going through? Because he had the least amount of time with him. You know, mm-hmm. when, uh, when he left, my brother was six years old, mm-hmm. you know. So I would always um, just find myself getting real angry about that and, and it was it was the writing that that like I said it opened the door to to these feelings to these emotions, but then it also eventually helped me um, write myself through the the feelings and emotions and 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 one of the huge factors in that too was was uh, me having a conversation with my cousin around that time and I I really didn't talk to anybody about it about how I was feeling with my father and. Um, and uh, well, well, let me say this: well, in high school, I always I refer to my high school experience as having a lot of positive distractions. Yeah. You know, I had my friends, my family. I had, you know, school. I had. Uh, I was doing shows. I was chasing girls. You know, I was. You know, I was. You know, I had sports. So I was playing football, running track. I was hooping. You know, my boys. You know, when I got to college, I was kind of on this island. You know, it, it was surrounded by people, but you know, I felt alone, yeah. you know, and, and my pen and paper, that was my companion, you know, so, um, so when I got home from school, because like I said, like you said, you know, I, I stopped going to work, stopped going to classes, uh, the only thing that, that I would find joy in was writing, getting up with a girl, <laughs> you know, you know, um, even smoking a little weed, you know, yeah. you know you know, those were the things that that would kind of comfort me for a moment. Maybe playing a video game. Yeah. Um, but then when I got home from from college, I opened up and I talked to my cousin about you know how I'd been feeling, and she uh, she said, "Look," she said, "You need to learn how to forgive." She said, "If you don't learn how to forgive, you're going to carry that pain with you for the rest of my for the rest of your life." Yeah. And I'm I'm sitting back like, well. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, right. I'm like, I'm not trying to live the rest of my life feeling like this. You know, I'm like, so that, but that was my first time ever um, 
being introduced to the idea of forgiveness. I never, yeah. it never crossed my mind. It never crossed my mind. I need to forgive somebody who isn't even around to forgive, right, right. you know? So, so through writing and through, through, um, you know, exercise creativity and forgiveness, that's how I was eventually able to write my way, you know, through this pain. Beautiful. And I'm going to ask you about forgiveness in a minute because it's a big theme in your book. And I know it's a big passion of your work today. Mm -hmm. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you a question that I get asked quite often. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'll give my best answer, you know, whenever I'm asked this, but I struggle because uh, I, I, I have a hard time calling myself a writer. I, Mm -hmm. I have a couple books out, but I didn't go to school for writing. I never took a writing class. I just pen to paper raw or fingers to keys or whatever. But I'm often asked, you know, for for people that want to write, you know, it's like, what do you do? How do you start writing? You know, like they're intimidated by the idea of writing, but they want to start. So that's cool. So what would you say to someone that says, you know, I want to start writing, but I don't know what to do. Do you have any advice or is there a particular practice or a prompt that maybe would help them? What, what's your advice on that or your thoughts? Yeah. Well, my advice is, is, uh, is to don't, is to not think about it. <laughs> it's to just do it. And I, I found, and it sounds simple, but I know over the years when, um, you know, you'll, you'll find yourself flowing, writing, 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 and then you'll, you'll run into this writer's block. Yeah. And I, I found that uh, after I come out of the block and, and get to writing, what I noticed was when, you know, during those moments when I, I, was, I was struggling with it, uh, it, was, it was more so me thinking too yeah. much about it. You know, I was overthinking and, oh, it has to be this. It has to be good. Uh, what to do? What? But when I when I take myself out of that and just write down whatever comes to mind, yeah. you know, if if it's good, if it's not good, I'm not even thinking about it. Whatever comes to mind, I'm just put it on on the page. You know, it's it's um, <clears throat> I tell people it's a matter of of um, of uh, quite like meditation. Sure, it's it's a matter of, of being still and listening. You know. And and writing is just the next step of, okay, I'm I'm still, I'm listening, and whatever I hear, I'm gonna write it down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. gonna think about I'm not gonna think about what I'm hearing. I'm gonna just write it down, and then from there, I'll you know structure and rewrite and, and go back through it. But uh, but yeah, I think just being free with it, not having any um, expectations, yeah. not having any reservations, not having any fear. You know, yes. a lot of people. You know, fear is a huge thing. It'll get in the way of, uh, you know, what would people think? Don't worry about what people think. What do yeah. you think? You know, don't worry about it, it being good or bad. You know, if you feel it, whatever you feel, write that down. And what I found is if I feel it, other people feel it. If I like it, other people love it, you know. So uh, it's just a matter of just being confident and knowing that uh, that you have a gift. You, you know, you have, you have an amazing ability to put thoughts together and you know still listen <laughs> right there it <laughs> yeah. is. i love that's yeah. a great recipe it's, yeah. it's really similar what i what i say to people the big thing is like you said don't worry about what other people think because you know so many people have told me you know they're they'll start to write and they'll start over because they're comparing themselves to other writers and right and then the voice is well what will somebody think if i you know write this and 
So, you know, you got to yeah. take that out. And the other thing I'll tell them is the suggestion I give, it works for me, is right like today was your last day on earth. Yeah. You know, write with that kind of passion. Like you will yeah. never get another chance to sit down and write again. And yeah. that works for me. I, and uh, I don't know if it's worked for that, anyone nah, I said that, it to, but. No, nah, that that does work, you know, because yeah. I mean, I've written, you know, like even um like with the Kanye record you yeah. know I was like man what if I never get an opportunity like this again yeah. you know yeah. it's like you know writing with desperation yeah. definitely it it pulls some out of you you know and yeah. and and it it makes listening even <laughs> even easier and the other thing too is is um is is not letting your ego get in the way cuz you know ego is the 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 is is the the tool that makes you think about what everybody else will say yeah. you know so if you can just get the ego out of the way then that's no, that's another factor you yeah. know don't you know just just be free with it yeah you know? that's cool and you know it's funny on, on a side note before we get into forgiveness i was thinking about this after we were hanging out in uh in idaho uh but i can't tell you how many times man i've listened to that song not just a song but you know the college dropout record like it's one mm. of the hip-hop greats and it's like I was thinking to myself after we, we we were in Idaho, I'm like, damn, man, like it's just a funny like how life happens, you know, like yeah. I'd heard your voice for so many years. You know, I'd heard your, your poetry for so many years and not even known it was like you, you know, like I, I knew who you were and, and there we were hanging out. So anyways, man, no, that's, that's cool. Yeah, man. It was it was cool. It was, uh, yeah, man, that's cool. And and then even with that, that for me, that was a huge uh, lesson in, in the writing aspect, because after that record came out. I went through, oh man, I went through a, a very long period of time of overthinking, you yeah. know, and, and the overthinking came from, from me, uh, having this, 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 just this idea. Okay. Now that this record is out and now that, you know, it's been heard by millions and, and I'm on a record with a Jay Z and a Kanye. Yeah. Okay. I have to do that again or better. Yeah. So, and then I, I would, I would find myself struggling with, you know, trying to emulate or trying to do that. And then, you know, just all these thoughts would yeah. get in the way, you know? And then when I found, I mean, so, like I said, a, a, a long period of time went by when I was, I was struggling with that. And then one day I just woke up and realized what I was doing. Like, man, what are you doing? Like, man, you, you, you wrote that piece one day, freely having fun you wrote it write something else write something else it happened again you know your gift hasn't gone anywhere you know so so yeah the overthinking to kill it you know and actually so what <laughs> let me read this excerpt because it actually addresses what you were just saying another excerpt from your book mm -hmm. and then we'll we'll circle back around to forgiveness after but this uh this i think fits really perfectly here um because you actually preface this by you're talking about gratitude and mm. it's something, you know, that's very important in your life. Um, and this is from the chapter, Fear is a Hell of a Drug. And you write in it, uh, you go, in that moment, I forgot to be grateful for what I did have in my life. I forgot to live in gratitude. I was spoiled by the success I had been experiencing and falling off that high made me feel so low. Not doing led to no money. No money led to isolation. Isolation mm. led me back to feeling depressed. Depression led to not writing and doing what I naturally loved. With each step not being taken, I felt lower and lower. The negative spirits of old were haunting me again. Those negative voices were telling me that I wouldn't amount to anything. Telling me that I would fail like my father did. These voices were whispering to me that my, that my dad 
left because I was worthless, because I was nothing, because I didn't deserve to be loved. Those same voices were telling me that the world would follow suit and abandon me. Those voices were telling me to shut up, to stop writing, to stop performing. They were telling me that no one ever or no one wanted to hear what I had to say. So it's like you just said, man, like those voices creep in. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to me, too. Like just that self negating talk that, you know, no, no, no. Um, But what I love, though, is you preface that again by saying you were losing touch with your gratitude. You know, you were getting sucked into this. So let's talk about gratitude for a minute and the importance that's played in your life. You know what? Um, holding on to that and focusing more on what you have to be grateful for than getting sucked into these negative thoughts that that kind of endless vicious cycle that'll go if we don't do something about it. So, so talk to me about gratitude in your life. You know how does how does that inspire you? How does that keep you grounded? What is that? What is that in your life? Yeah, I mean gratitude is I mean is major, and I, I think I think with gratitude. Um, one of the things that it does is it, it keeps you in the moment. Yeah. You know, gratitude. If you if you're grateful for what you have right now, then then you're in the moment. You're not in the past harping on what did happen or what didn't happen or who did what or um, you know, why wasn't, you know, life, you know, built a certain way. You, know, you don't harp on it. You just okay, I'm grateful for what I'm grateful for stand, for breathing. I'm grateful that I'm up. I'm grateful that I have life. I'm grateful that, you know, I have a beautiful wife. I'm grateful that I have opportunity come, come to my way and blessings come. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. Yeah. You know, I got food. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that I have another day to, to, to create a, a world, to, to, to just, to build on, 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 um, you know, on, on the steps from the past, you know, I had, and that I have, this, these lessons and this knowledge and all these different things and all this experience, so I won't hopefully make the same mistakes, yeah. you know, going forward. So you know, gratitude is—I I mean, it's huge. And I remember, you know, when I was writing this book, I was—I um, mean, I was on the plane. I was—I uh, was flying from Chicago to New York, and I had—you um, know—it was one of the final. Write-ups, you know. They yeah, send you, the edits. They, the yeah, they yeah. send you. They send you one of the. I think it, was, it may have been like the, the edit before the the, the final edit. Yeah. You know, so I'm marking up the page. Oh, the I'm, paper ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The- <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm on the plane. Yeah, I'm yeah. reading through. I'm flipping through the pages, just making sure everything is right and in order. And um, man, it. it I was reading uh, a part of the book where, where um, where I actually you know, wrote the poem, Dear Father, and I, I became so overwhelmed with gratitude uh, due to the fact, I was like, man, I, I went through a lot, you know, but I was just grateful that I was able to come through it. I was grateful, you know, you know, me and my father didn't have the relationship we had, but we did have a relationship. He did get me here. He did, you know, teach me a lot. Even when he wasn't there to teach me things, I learned from him, you know, and and I knew he was walking with me on this path of, of you know, dear father. And I know he was opening doors, and 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 I was just grateful for even having the ability to to write this story, having a, a you know a gift to be able to get out and perform it and meet people and speak, and you know, so I just became overwhelmed. And I was like, man, if I hadn't gone through any of this, 
you know, my life was perfect, I, I wouldn't, you know, maybe I'll be grateful for other things, but yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in this moment. I wouldn't have this, this story to tell. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't have these experiences to share with people. So, you know, they might help someone else, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, gratitude is, is huge, huge for me. That's, that's really well said, man. As, as you're saying that, uh, it's making me think of, uh, there's another guy that, um, I'm friends with his name is Jarvis J masters and he's written a couple mm. of books and he's actually an inmate out on San Quentin's death row. And mm. he's been there for over 35 years. He was sentenced originally for eight years for a crime. It was a robbery. He did commit it. He was guilty. Then mm -hmm. he's there. He gets accused of sharpening a spear that's used uh, by someone else to murder a prison guard. Mm. He had nothing to do with it. Um, I mean, the evidence is so overwhelming of his innocence that the California mm prison or court system for like the first time i think in their history back in 2011 reopened the case and now they're re-going through all of this uh evidence and stuff that wasn't uh admissed or admissible in the beginning anyways i say that to say this what what jarvis has said and i actually was just out there visiting him for the first mm. time a couple weeks ago uh san quentin's no joke i mean holy mm. shit man it's mm. and, and so to go in there and be with him and and share some time and space was uh it was a pretty profound experience but what really inspired me is he says you know yes it's been hell living on death row for over 30 years now but what if you know i wasn't here and i didn't write these books that i had written mm -hmm. you know and these books are ones that are given into a lot of uh, inner city classrooms there's actually been curriculums created around them um, I've read you know mm -hmm. a lot of the correspondence younger kids uh, teenagers have written him that read mm -hmm. it helped impact their lives, changed their lives. You know, that's a beautiful way. So anyways, that what you shared just made me think that it's a beautiful way to say, you know, if this didn't happen, that might have happened or whatever. But there's right. always something to be grateful for in all circumstances. Yeah. His obviously is a pretty extreme case. But yeah. if someone even in that situation can find it, you know, how can we not? And right. And I read his book about five years ago when I was in a rehab at the lowest point of my life, like ready to die, literally ready to, mm. to just die. And I'm reading his story before I contacted him. And it, and that just put in perspective for me, like, it's not so bad, man. Like, right. yeah, things weren't good for me at that point. Like I, I lost everything I had court date waiting for me on the other side of it. Mm. But in comparison to what he was going through, life wasn't so bad, you know, right. and that's what gave me the inspiration to pick myself back up and do the work I do today, you know? So yeah, it's man. just all these little ripple effects. So, um, yeah. so thank Absolutely. you for what you shared, man. It's, it's, uh, very inspiring. Uh, thank you. You too, man. Yeah. That, that, that's powerful. Yeah, it's, oh. it's it, we do what we do, you know, like I yeah. know, like we had these talks, but it's like you get this opportunity in life, you know, to, to help other people and to do stuff that you're passionate about while helping them. I mean, right. it's, what a blessing. It's really it's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, man. yeah. Uh, but so let's talk about forgiveness. All right. Because, again, this yeah. is this is big, real big with you. So it's, it's I know it's been a big lesson in your life, a big teaching mm -hmm. for you. Um, so what does forgiveness mean to you and how, after that, how can we learn to authentically, like really forgive, forgive ourselves and forgive others? What, what are you, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I think forgiveness is, it frees you from whatever negative power has been holding you down and, and, and has you shackled to, 
the depths of the ocean, you know, and, and has this this heaviness on you. When um you know, I was I was taught that, you know, when you when you're able to forgive someone, you, you, you take the power back. Take the power back. You know, you don't you know, a lot of people they they um they will confuse sorry about that. A lot of people will uh, they will confuse forgiveness for forgetting. Mm. And to me that's impossible. Like yeah, some de- small details may fade from your memory, but you don't forget. Yeah. You don't forget. You know, you you um a, a TV show will come on, a um you drive down a certain intersection, uh the wind will blow some a smell from a restaurant. Yeah. Uh you know, I mean, there's so many things that trigger you know, the past, you know, somebody, you know, you, you drive past a landmark and it reminds you, it takes you back to, you know, um, a particular time. And for me, you know, just getting to the point of being able to forgive when you are flashed back to those moments, you know, you remember, but you remember the lesson instead of um, remembering the lesson and feeling the pain. You know, you, you remember what you remember what the pain felt like, but it's it's um you allow yourself to not go through it again. And I know when I when I was uh when I was, you know, going through it, um I have this quote that says, you know, if you don't deal with your emotions, one day your emotions will deal with you. Yeah. And when I was when I was going through through uh this huge spell of time of um, you know, just wrestling back and forth with Okay, I'm mad at my father. Okay, now I'm, I'm gonna forgive him. You know, I got to the point. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna forgive him. I, I remember having this. Uh, you know, after I had the talk with my cousin, I wrestled with the thought of forgiveness for months and months and months. And then I was at a, I was performing at a, at a youth revival at a church on the south side of Chicago, and, and I remember just breaking down. It was, a, it was a buddy of mine. He was, he was, um, you know, he, he was. Uh, giving a testimony about his sister passing and just seeing his boy, you know, seeing that, that hurt, that pain, that loss, that couldn't be, uh, uh, filled by anybody else. Seeing that void, it, it reminded me of my void. And I remember just breaking down and it was in that moment where, where I just prayed to God and said, God, I forgive my father. I just want to see him. You know, I want to tell him I love him, tell him I miss him. And, and it was it was overwhelming. And two weeks later, God answered my prayers. My father, after you know, ten years, over ten years, he called me up out the blue. And I was just, I was, it was just overwhelming, you know. So uh, some time went by. We reconnected. Time went by. A year and a half later, he passed away. And then when he passed, I was going through it all over again. Now I'm mad all over. I I forgiven him before. I got a chance to see him, hug him, love him. Like, you know, talk with him, sit down, watch a football game. But then after he passed, now I'm I'm back in it, you know, now and it's even worse now than it was before. And I'm 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 depressed and I'm you know, I remember not I was uh I was living in Nashville, me and my girl, Tari, me and you know, me and Tari, we were uh, we were just dating at the time. Um not more than dating, you know, we were living together. We were shacking. <laughs> Shack, that's my grandmama called. We were shacking, you know. So we were living in Nashville, and we had broken up, moved back to Chicago, and um, uh, with plans of going to New York. But but 
man, I fell into the deepest, deepest depression. I mean, I didn't leave. I was at my mama's house, and I didn't leave out of my room, man, for the whole summer. Just, just in this room, you know. I come out to eat, and just back in this room, you know. And um, and it was I was just going through it all over again, you know. And it was just amazing that, you know, I was able to forgive, you know. But because I, you know, like I say, we don't forget. Um, I didn't, I didn't know to, to, um, to, to not let those feelings come back to, yeah. you know, not let those feelings overwhelm me again, not let those feelings take over and those voices take over. So when I was, when I finally got to the point of like truly, truly forgiven was when uh, I had a conversation with my mother and I, this was after I moved to New York and, and, uh, she told me, you know, she, you know, she asked me, she's like, what's going on? You haven't been talking to me. You haven't been talking to Tari. What's happening? And I'm like, well, this is what's going on. So for the first time, I opened up and I talked to my mother about my father. And my mother listened to me. And then uh, after a few minutes, she just lit into me. She said, look, your father was a good man. Let him rest in peace. And there was something about hearing my mother, you know, I mean, it's my mother telling me this, you know. So one, I'm going to listen because it's, you know, I love my mama. I'm going to listen to her. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, she had been through the most with him. So I'm like, if anybody had the right to say anything negative about him, it would have been her. But she never spoke negatively negatively of my father, and I did know he was a good man. You know, at the at the end of it, I knew he was a good man who had just been hurt as a child. He grew up with his hurt, his pain, didn't know how to cope with, didn't know how to deal with it, and and he passed it on. So I think you know the, the compassion I was able to find in that moment, the understanding, or you know uh, the. Um, the, you know, and even just the, the wisdom of my own life experiences and journey and knowing what it is to be an adult with real life issues, and real feelings, and, you know, it all those things came together and I could hear her, I could hear Tari telling me that I need to break the cycle. She was the one who told me, like, you have to break the cycle. I could hear my cousin Julia telling me you need to learn to forgive and it was in that moment I decided to finally like really truly truly forgive and so I wrote and that it was with this poem with this letter dear father that 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 I was able to get those feelings and those thoughts and all those ideas and all that pain and all those years of of uh heaviness and and um you know just just feeling lost and feeling uh, devalued and I have mm-hmm. I put it all on the page and those tears on the page when I wrote the poem but I wrote it and immediately I feel this weight lift up off of me and and again you know I, I, it, there wasn't anything forgetful <laughs> in the poem you know it was every memory every thought every every moment um, not every moment but a lot of moments of uh, you know where I, I reminisce in the poem about about the good and the bad times but it was ultimately it was um, it was it was just that it was forgiveness that allowed me to 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 see the lessons in it and, and grow from it. Like okay, I'm gonna take these lessons from this moment, from these moments, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take the pain. Mm-hmm. I, I I'll take the lessons I learned from the pain, but I'm not gonna I want to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I want I want to be happy. You know, yeah. at the end of the day, I, I that's it. I want to be happy. Yeah. You know and. Um, 
so yeah, so I know it's a long answer, but no, it's beautiful. But beautiful. But, but forgiveness to me is again is is just finding that freedom. Yeah. yeah, it's finding that freedom. And what I love, and I apologize, I don't have the exact name, so I'm gonna let you talk more about this. But you took that experience of of writing and finding this forgiveness, and you have started this movement where you're having people write letters to their father. Um, yeah. This is something I apologize. I, I wasn't formally going to talk to you about uh, in, in this conversation, but it just popped up. And, and I remember you were talking about it at the event um, yeah. out in Idaho, and I was so impressed by that. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah. The, um, so, you know, the poem, it, it, it turned into a book. And, and while writing the book, uh, me and Atari, we were building on, you know, next steps and, you know, getting down the road, yeah. and, you know, but but also, how can we use this to truly help people? So we looked at it uh, at, at the book as it would be better served if it was more of a, a, a call to action. Yeah. So let's let's present this story, present this idea, present you know this um, um, present the power of forgiveness and show people what you know what they could do. Or show them the possibility if if they were to exercise uh, forgiveness and, and also letter writing. So that prompted us to start DearFatherLetters.com and the theme is One Million Letters Written, One Million Hearts Healed. So we wanted to use this process to inspire a million people to write letters to their fathers, no matter if the relationship is good, bad, or ugly, and, and to start this conversation of healing. Mm. And... So far, man, it's been amazing. We've been moving around um, a, a lot with it around the country, and a lot of people have been writing letters. Uh, we just had Steve Harvey's mentoring camp for young men down in Georgia. Uh, I did the one uh, last year as well in Dallas. And, you know, I had 200 young men that's growing up in fatherless homes, and you know, I gave a workshop, told my story, and, and took them through the process of writing and and the page is filled up like, immediately, filled up, you know. And um, oh, we had a, a group of educators in Virginia, Loudoun County, Virginia, actually developed, they developed the curriculum for the book. So now we have a, a curriculum that's in classrooms. Cool. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, it's amazing. But, but Dear Father Letters is, is, the, um, is, is the name of, of the, uh, the movement. And, and uh, people can check it out at Dear Father Letters. That's awesome. I used to work with uh, kids before I started doing this writing and speaking thing, elementary school kids, and it was in what were considered um, high risk or at risk neighborhoods. And it was a lot of fatherless kids. And um, I'd also do one on one mentoring outside of that with uh, kids about ages five to 18. It was a wide range. But again, most of them fatherless. And it's uh, it's so cool that, you know, there's things like that that you're putting out into the world, you know, that can really sincerely, if someone sits down and does that, it, maybe not heal, fully heal, but start right. that healing process, start right. mending. And in some cases, maybe that is all it will take to heal. Um, but either way, you know, it's really, it's such a service to people to, to do that. And I love that you also said, even if the relationship is good, write yeah. a letter, man, write a letter. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah that'll inspire, that inspire, you know, the next man, yeah. you know. Well, what the next woman? Because it's not just you know centered uh, to men, but you know oh. just and it's not just even um, 
strictly focus on forgiving a father. It might be a mother. It might be a friend. It yeah. might be yourself. Yeah. You know. Um, so that that uh, but getting the good letters, the good stories, we need those. Yeah. You know, there's lessons in those that we need that we need to learn from too. Cool, man. Yeah, man. So let's talk really quick about. And and this is just coming up for me, but let's talk. You've mentioned your wife, Tari, a few times. Yeah, yeah. I love her. I, I got to spend yeah. some time with her out in Idaho. Total trip. You guys are amazing. Um, yeah, thank you. But yeah, so what I thought was so cool, man, is that so you do this really passionate offering. You know, your talk, it's not even a talk. I mean, it's you offer poetry. You talk about your experience. I mean, I laughed. I saw people crying. It was really two hours or so of just passion it was beautiful yeah, and what thanks. was so cool too is that you know your wife comes up and sings a few times and yeah, she has one yeah. of the most soulful voices <laughs> i have ever heard and and not only that but after you guys were done someone was crying like they they were just you know they were so moved by what you would you'd offered and it brought up stuff and your wife is over there like getting tissues, like trying to find tissues and like, you know, consoling, like just there with this person. A lot of people want to like talk to you guys and you know, about your performance. And that's, that was right where she went. Like, I want to help this person. It was really beautiful to see. So anyways, um, just props to her for that. But so what's that experience like, man, you get to like, you get to travel, you get to work with your wife. Like you guys come together and make this beautiful truly beautiful passionate offering what, what's that like for you man yeah man, that's amazing man yeah. I, i've been blessed to be married to my best friend and, and i know a lot of people marry their best friends yeah. but but my best friend just happens to be in a, a similar uh field you know yeah. she like, we we met I always joke we met in the club yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we we met we met at this uh it was a, a jazz club and nice. it was our first time singing you know and um well first night singing publicly yeah. where it uh, that moment when she's like, this is what I love to do, and this is what makes me happy, so I'm going to pursue this. And so the first night of her pursuing her dream, you know, I just happened to be wow. be there. And, um, and you know, we've been, we've been, you know, blessed to, to, to move, uh, move forward since. And it's, I mean, it's amazing. We get to work together, we get to perform together, we get to, you know, build and, and, and dream together. And, and uh, you know, see new places, meet new people. And, I mean, and it's amazing. You know, and a lot of people are like, man, y'all spend a lot of time together. You know, but man, that's my best friend. Like, it's it'd be different if we couldn't stand each other. Right. Like, uh, you know, but yeah. but um, I, and we're the type of people we wouldn't do it if we could. Right. <laughs> we, right. You know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been a blessing, man. It's a blessing. So that's cool. And, and she's like, like extremely gifted. Like one of the yeah. most. I'm, her writing, her singing is just always just mind blowing to me. Yeah. You know? Like, man, I'm like, you just did that. That, you know, she writes fast. I'm like, you just sat there for two minutes and wrote a song. You know, like, yeah. I'm like, I need a little bit more time than that. Uh, like, yeah, but she's amazing, man. That's cool, and it's very obviously like I, I could tell you guys really, really enjoy each other's company. So that's cool, yeah. man. That's that yeah. it, it comes through. That's cool. So what else are you working on? I know you're saying you're you're doing the audio book or you're getting ready to do the audio book for Dear Father and if that's correct. Yeah. Well, no, I've already re- recorded. Oh, you, you have recorded. Yeah, it. yeah, so I recorded um I actually did it last summer. We were going to release oh, okay. it. We were looking to release it in the fall, but okay. but um uh we pushed the dates back and so I recorded the full the full book so yeah. it's an 8 8 hour audio book but one of the things I did is uh, the 
the book is laid out. We, you know, as you've seen, is is laid out with my with my story with with, uh, with poetry intertwined in yeah. the story. So I took some of the poetry and I turned them into songs. Cool. So you know, within this eight hour audiobook, you have you have music, you know, throughout the book. But then um, but then I decided to take those songs and turn them into an album. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, so you can get the uh, the uh, the eight hour audiobook. Dear Father audiobook, or you can get the one-hour album called My Daddy's Records. Nice. You know, so yeah, so we're gearing up for the release of that, and and um, uh, moving around. Of course, you know more shows and events, and uh, we're doing Dear Dad dialogues, and the Dear Dad dialogues is where we we go out and have uh, like an open forum yeah. um, where uh, I'll open it up, you know, tell a little of my story, perform, but then we'll open it up and have discussions about growing up in fatherless homes about forgiveness about um um you know just those those good and bad stories just, right just yeah real, real just real conversations so we're doing that and then um then working on you know some other documentary stuff you know i do voiceovers as yeah. well so i'm working on a, a documentary on ernie barnes and ernie barnes is amazing artist a lot of people know him from being an artist uh he did the art for JJ on Good Times. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right on. Cool. A lot, cool. Of, yeah, a lot of people know, know him from that. So working on, he was actually one of my mentors. He, he passed in, um, it's been like seven years now. But he, um, maybe eight. I think it's 2008 or nine. But uh, so me and my buddies, Kuti and Chike, who I did the Muhammad Ali documentary yeah. with. Yeah, we're working on that now. Nice, man. Yeah. So where can people find you online? What's the web- website? Yeah, so my website is j-ivy.com, just the letter j-ivy.com. My Twitter and Instagram and Periscope is the letter j-ivy. I'm on Snapchat. That's that's, uh, j.ivy snaps. Um, And then on Facebook, on Facebook, just j-ivy. And then... And then definitely, uh, we'll, we'll love for people to check out dearfatherletters.com. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Twitter is, is, uh, the number one million letters, number one yeah. million letters. And, uh, on, uh, Instagram is dearfatherletters. Cool. So definitely please check those out too. But you can find all those on, on, on the uh, webpage. Yeah, on the webpage. So cool. you com and dearfatherletters.com. Cool, man. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm behind on the Periscope and the Snapchat, but I do yeah. follow you on Instagram, and I'm like, damn, he's here today. He's there because you are very active. I love you. Always like, hey, what's up, y'all? I'm gonna try to get better, man. Took yeah. me a while, man. I, I, I was I was anti uh, social media, but you know, I'm I'm been slowly like, okay, yeah. let me let me adapt. You know, I hear you, man. Well, so, I mean, before we, we wrap it up, last thing is, is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to cover? Anything you want to share that, that, um, you're feeling mega passionate about? Uh, if not, that's cool too, but I always like to, you know, give guests, uh, you know, the last say. So is there anything? Um, yeah, I think, I think we covered it all, man. Just, you know, just always want to, uh, just encourage people to stay, stay lifted, you know, stay, uh, stay positive, know that the a new day is coming and, you know, remind people to, again, to, to, to live in that gratitude, you know, be grateful for what you have. And, uh, you know, a long time ago, a buddy of mine, he told me, he said, pain is a temporary inconvenience. 
I, I think the, the key word is temporary. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't last forever. You know, you know, no storm has ever lasted forever. And I think it's just important that we uh, remind ourselves of that. Remind ourselves that that uh, better times are coming, man. And just keep keep fighting for it. And and when the better times come, keep fighting for it because it's you know it's it's uh, something that we we do have to fight for. But but it, you know it can be a beautiful, fun fight. You know. Yeah. And, yeah, it is what you make of it. Yeah, man. yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Jay, thank you for your time. It was a real Sir. pleasure having you on. I know yeah. we'll do this again because uh, there's plenty more I'd love to talk to you about another time. We'll get way more into hip hop next time because yeah, yeah, we'll just yeah. do a whole hip hop show. Oh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah I, got new, I got new music coming soon too okay. outside, outside of the book. So definitely we have to talk about the new albums and all that. All right, then. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get back together later on then for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Uh, all right, man. Well, thank you again. And uh, and last thing I do want to say is anyone, if you see Jay's coming to your area, I cannot recommend enough. Go see this man perform. Thank it is. Thank yeah, man. And, and I, I wouldn't say if I didn't mean it. Like, first of all, the book is phenomenal. So read the book. It's really beautiful. But seeing you live, um, it's, it's a hell of an experience, man, for real. So check out Jay's website. Yeah. See if he's coming to your area. There it is. It's in my bedroom right now, man. I'm sorry. I didn't hey, grab it. Hey. <laughs> amateur hour over here. I'm sorry. Man. But <laughs> nah, it's it all is. good. <laughs> it is. Um, but thanks again, Jay. I really appreciate your time and everything you're doing in the world. A lot of respect to you for that, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, too, man. And keep doing what you do because, Lord, man, folk need it. Folk need it, man. You're touching Trying. a lot of people, man. Trying. Cool. Yeah, man. absolutely. Thanks, Jay. Yes, sir. Thank you.